Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie, theater, popcorn, and other movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian Machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how you doing today? You know, I'm recovering from Canada Day yesterday. and It's a good uh, day for you. It was. And also, is is this real? Is, I'm not Are sure. Are we really doing this? I'm not sure. There's it's, it's, This could be an illusion. There's some weird stuff here. Full disclosure, I made a couple of adjustments to the way our audio is being recorded. So this is sort of a new run on our audio. You, as a listener, might not notice anything. Probably shouldn't even brought it up, but you know, I like I like sharing behind the scenes stuff, and talking about tech kind of fits in with what we're talking about today, David. We're here talking about we're celebrating the Fourth of July holiday weekend, and we're here talking about Spider-Man: Far From Home of all places, anywhere but America. And uh, yeah, man, we just got out of this movie. You know, we we had Endgame, we had Captain Marvel, this is the last Marvel movie of the year, and the only other time, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the only other time we talked about Spider-Man in film was when he did when we did our Spider-Man Homecoming free, uh, franchise refill, I think is correct. I don't think we did an actual episode on that, did we? I don't remember. I don't know. I should have checked our library on this. Dave, I'll let you check our library where we're t- while we're talking about that. I don't think we did Homecoming. Homecoming came out two years ago? Three years ago? It was July 7th, 2017. 17, 18? So, yeah, I actually. I think we did do it. it I might think it have, was one of our first it might three have episodes. Been, it might have been one of our first episodes. We're yep. circling back around. We're now at the point, David. Yeah, because we talked about the history of Spider-Man because we talked about the Tobey Maguire ones and we the did. Garfield ones a little bit. We did. So I don't want to – so what's funny is that I wasn't sure, so I put a little bit of that in our outline, but what's nice is we can skip over it. Suffice it to say, and I think we talked about this before, one of my favorite parts about – and, I mean, we can just get right into talking about Spider-Man – one of my favorite parts is that Tom Holland and what they're doing with these Spider-Man movies is what Spider-Man always has been in the comic books, high school, mm-hmm. right? Tobey Maguire was a good Peter Parker, an okay Spider-Man, didn't talk a lot of trash, graduated high school in the middle of the first movie and spent most of his series as an adult. Mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield was all was a good Spider-Man, talked enough shit but was always too cool of a Peter Parker. He's too pretty. Okay. And now, in my opinion, this is, I agree. Just, this is just my opinion. I agree. And he graduated high school, I think, at the beginning of the second film. He only got his two films. And now we have this Tom Holland, and this is his fifth time playing Spider-Man now, which is wild. Mm-hmm. So he's played Spider-Man in more movies than anybody before. My favorite part about all of this is that he's still in high school. Yep. Um, and 16. he's only 16. They literally say he's 16 in this movie. And I've read some reviews and I'd like to get your opinion on it. I'd like to talk about this a little bit more because I feel like this is what makes these movies so unique within not only the MCU, but within uh, pop culture right now, superhero films in general is the fact that they are really honing in on his high school stuff. He is a kid in a world of aliens and gods and snaps and things like that, and he's this kid from Brooklyn being asked to raise up from that. Does that appeal to you? Because I've read some reviews that are like, maybe they should graduate high school now, or I I didn't really like any of the high school teen comedy bullshit. How do you feel about that? I like it. Like you said... Spider-Man in the comics and even the cartoons that we saw was always in high school. So right. to me, it's on par with what it, it, what it was growing up for me. Um, the little I read the comics, but definitely watched a lot of the cartoons. Sure. He was always in high school, so they were always high school stories. So for me, I like seeing it. Also, 
to me, this is how you keep Marvel fresh and these Marvel movies fresh is mm-hmm. when you have diversity and having high school comedies to some point keeps it different than the others. I mean, we've had plenty of Captain America's, we've had plenty of Iron Man's and right. You know, they're all a little bit more in this adult world and, you know, not adult humor as an inappropriate humor, but like grown up stories from that standpoint and having some of the fun lightheartedness that you get from Spider-Man to me breaks it up a little bit more. Just like when you got Thor Ragnarok or Guardians of the Galaxy, like I think that's what made Marvel so far work together so well because you had diversity. Sure. You know, and as much as people complain about, oh, it's another Marvel movie. Right. We've got all these Marvel movies. We're going to get this, you know, fatigue from superhero movies. I think the reason why that hasn't come out or that hasn't happened yet mm-hmm. is because each of them is so different and unique. And and maybe on the surface, people don't judge it that way. It's just another superhero movie. Right. But when you really get into like the plots and even how it's shot, not as much how it's shot, but like the way they tell the story, the sure. interactions, the characters, the even characters, the side that characters. Kind of stuff, it's different from movie to movie. The, the world building is different. And what's funny is that, uh, you know, as I was thinking about this, you know, you and I both really enjoyed Captain Marvel. I don't think that there's any, you know, that's, uh, we, we, we did our whole review on it. We enjoyed it. But there was always something that felt not quite unique enough about Captain Marvel. Um, and, and this isn't to knock on Captain Marvel. Like I said, I enjoyed this movie very much. But there was something about it that just seemed like generic superhero. Um, whereas, you know, despite the fact that it's in the 90s and it's a prequel and we're dealing with characters that we're familiar with and stuff like that. You're right, though, in that these Spider-Man movies that... Sony is doing that are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they really help flesh out the world at large of what is happening. And rather than having a bunch of supporting characters that are spies or other superheroes or other, um, I don't know, able-bodied people, for lack of a better word. Like you look at the Captain America movies and all of his supporting characters are pros, you know, they're all soldiers and agents and superheroes in their own right. This is really ground level type stuff where the supporting characters are teenagers. They're t- teachers who are out of their depth. And that proves to be a very good contrast to the larger world that Peter Parker is being pulled into. And I think that's the purpose of this is to provide that contrast to show that, hey, he's a 16-year-old kid. He's dealing with 16-year-old kid's stuff. Meanwhile, he has these these world-threatening events that are trying to pull him out of here. And that brings up a very interesting struggle, a struggle that you don't get with Captain America or Iron Man or Captain Marvel because that's their job, right? It's Captain Marvel's job to fly around the universe and do Captain Marvel stuff, right? Um, and so this movie picks up right right after, I, man, I don't know how much, people are so sensitive about spoilers. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that this picks up after Endgame. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that it, it addresses a lot of questions from Endgame. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, we don't get a specific time of like, it doesn't flash on the screen like three months later or four right. months later. And I don't remember a line in the movie that says like when this happened two months ago. But I think you get the general idea that we're in like a range of like three to six months after. After the snap or, yeah. or they call after, it a blip. Yeah. After the blip. Uh, basically, we'll say post Tony Stark's. Funeral. Funeral, which, spoiler alert for Endgame, which, if you're listening to the Spider-Man Far From Home podcast and you have not seen Avengers Endgame yet... Our spoiler-free time is only for the movie that we're on. Exactly. So if, if you haven't seen the other ones, then that's your own. It's on you. It's on you. Um, and this does, very similar to the way Ant-Man acted as a palate cleanser 
for uh, post Age of Ultron, and very similar to the way I think it was Ant Man and the Wasp acted as a palate cleanser for Infinity War. This operates in a very similar way, although I do think it is not as light as Ant- the Ant-Man movies are. I think the Ant-Man movies are maybe a little bit more inconsequential, which isn't a bad thing, but I like I would argue to say that this movie establishes Peter Parker and does some things that expand upon the world in the way that Ant-Man never really did. But it does serve as a really good palate cleanser. So let's get into the non-spoiler kind of review stuff, the review talk and whatnot. Now that we've talked about Spider-Man in high school, now that we've talked a little bit about the MCU, but Far From Home happens. It is set, like you said, David, I think that's a pretty good estimate, three to six months after Endgame. And it is where the world is still sort of adjusting to what happened, to the blip and to everybody showing back up. It's still adjusting to having lost some major Avengers in Endgame. And it's kind of, you know, even though, you know, even though it seems business as usual for our high school kids, it's kind of a world of chaos in the superhero world. You know, people are, 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 are what's the word I'm looking for? Scattered. They're, they're doing other things. They're off on other adventures. And so when these elementals come and start attacking parts of the Earth, they call in Spider-Man, and he winds up working with Mysterio, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, and finds out that these threats are a lot bigger than what we thought. It's kind of like the general synopsis. Um, I think one of the strongest points of this movie, David, is the performances. Again, credit to not only Marvel, but credit to Sony. Credit where credit is due with Sony. They went from doing the amazing Spider-Man and everybody being like, please, God, Sony, sell to Marvel, to finally like, okay, we're going to make a deal with Marvel. And they have rattled off Homecoming, Venom, inexplicably, Spider-Verse, one of my favorite movies last year, and now this. And they have really righted the Spider-Man ship because the casting in this film is is across the board great as usual. And I, w- I would say that the performances are all really great as well. Tom Holland's a perfect Spider-Man, in my opinion. Would you would you agree? Does he stack up with the other two? I, I mean, he's my favorite. I mean, spoiler, I don't think it's spoiler. I think I expressed it on the first time we, we did Spider-Man Homecoming. Right. I wasn't is a huge fan of Tobey Maguire, especially when you got to the end of the series, mm-hmm. which I think was kind of true for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of my Tobey Maguire issues had to do more with kind of like we talked about. He didn't feel like a high schooler, which obviously I think they knew going into it because sure. they quickly got him out of high school. Um, <laughs> he feels like he's and, been 32 years old for the entire series. Andrew Garfield, I think I was okay with as a Spider-Man. Like you said, I think he was a little cooler than what you pictured Peter Parker and they never really went out of their way to make him kind of quote unquote dorky. Right. Um, so that kind of didn't jive, but really I think my bad memories from that were more had to do with just how poorly put together those movies were from like a pacing aspect and sure. trying to fit too much stuff in. But sure. um, Tom Holland's been great. I think what he doesn't have that, Maguire and Garfield did a little bit more and that the traditional Spider-Man had mm-hmm. was kind of that like trash talking and, and kind of uh-huh. smart aleck. Like the, I think the only time he really got that was in Civil War. Sure. Um, when he was kind of oblivious to it and talked some smack to uh-huh. Captain America and some of them and kind of then got brought down to size. I think since then he's kind of it's been toned back more and more. Like I don't remember any of it in this film. I remember a little bit in homecoming, sure, but I don't remember a whole lot in this, but still he gives that like innocent, like high school kind of that awkwardness that you, you always had from Peter Parker. Um, I think he plays off the, you know, kind of longing to be with MJ part of the relationship really well. And I think all of that really works um, from a performance standpoint. Sure. I, uh, I, uh, I mean, you brought up MJ. Yeah. Like, I mean, Tom Holland's great. Zendaya, 
credit where credit is due. Zendaya or Daya? Zendaya, Zendaya. I don't know. Anyways. Zen. Phenomenal. She's great. And I remember the big issue with the first film in that she wasn't, she was kind of like this, uh, same thing, kind of like an awkward teenager, kind of rough around the edges. Zendaya. Zendaya, thank you. <laughs> and and then at the end of that film, she's like, oh, call me MJ. And everyone was like, bullshit. Like, there's a lot of angry nerds on the internet, a lot of angry guy nerds on the internet that are like, not my MJ and blah, 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 blah. They are charming in, as hell in this movie. Like, she is super charming. Even And they're both playing awkward, and they're and it's adorable, and it's it's really charming. And, and that's I, a really strong find, I think. Well, and I think it was a good departure from, like, I think the MJ in the comics and even the MJ, especially in the Tobey Maguire sure. one, was almost like your cliche, like, pretty girl at school. Girl next door, yeah. You know, girl next door. And I like going a little bit different direction without departing. Like when you get into this film, you start to see some of more of that innocence, little bit of flirtation mm-hmm. all that. Also kind of stuff smart. Too. Yeah. And really smart. And so I think it's, it's a, it's a fun new tank take instead of like that airheady girl next door that we got. Always needs to be saved. Exactly. That's the other great thing. She does not need to be saved in this movie. Yeah, and we'll talk about that more definitely um, later on. And one thing I will say, coming yes. back to to Jake Gyllenhaal, I think the only thing that I would say from a performance standpoint, I think he was awesome. Jake Gyllenhaal playing Mysterio, playing Mysterio, convincing character was yep. great. I think he played, you know, without getting into spoilers, he he played kind of that great like you know, m- multiple layers to him from a standpoint of like his character um, from sure. the start to end. Um, the one thing I will say is I feel like we didn't get as much depth to his character. And we'll get into that more in the spoilers uh-huh. as what we did from like, say a vulture. Sure. Um, and, and that would be what I'd say from a storytelling standpoint in general with this, while it keeps the high school motif or for lack of a better term, or kind of the high school story. Sure. I feel like it kind of goes at like a breakneck pace. Like we kind of go from like disaster and action, like right. straight into it. Like I feel like in the, what made homecoming so great is you had like long stretches of like Spider-Man's not on the screen. Mm-hmm. Like you have the amazing scene in the car going to homecoming. Yes. You have uh, a number of interactions in the school. You have the debate stuff. You have, gym class all that right. kind of stuff and you get like these breaks and it's not like it's just like non-stop action this one felt like and, and maybe it's because i was hopped up on mr pib and it was <laughs> midnight and things like that but like i felt like i was like oh man we're st- we're still going we're still we're going, still going. like there wasn't a whole lot of breaks. Like if you're going, if you're looking for those opportunities to go to the bathroom, there's not a whole lot of opportunities in this one. There's really not. It is fairly breakneck. Um, I do think I, 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 I disagree a little bit because there were a couple times in this movie where I was like, wow, he really hasn't been in the suit for very long. And they do other things like they do stuff with a pair of glasses. They do other things that sort of fill in the action when he's not wearing like a Spider-Man suit. Um, but I do agree this movie moves very, very quickly where we're traveling around Europe and, oh, 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 uh, something happens in this city. We got to deal with it. And then, hey, guys, we're off to the next city. Yeah, it's not so much the suit. It's much as much like the threat of danger is kind of continuous through all of it. So, like, yes, there's plenty of time he spends outside of the suit. But like, there's always kind of that thread of danger, and, and we'll get into that more into this into the for sure. Spoilers. We'll we'll talk a little bit more specifics when we get into the spoilers. I did really like the high school stuff. There's the stuff. There's relationship comedy. I really like what they do with Flash Thompson again, um, with Tony Rivoli as Flash Thompson, who's who again. And I was explaining this to my sister. They give him a lot more. I don't want to say they give him a lot more to do in this film, but he's off on the side doing like his own little thing where he might only get a line or two, 
but it adds something to his character. And Leah, my sister, Leah Theodosis, good friend of the podcast, has been on here a couple times. She texted me asking more about Flash Thompson. And I told her kind of the whole story how Flash started in the comic books as like a jock, bro, bully, douchebag. And that's even how he was portrayed in the previous two versions. Uh, And this time they've adjusted it to where he's kind of just a rich, (laughs) a rich jerk. You know, where he's the type of guy who is like, well, I could see him hanging out with these people, but he's a he's a jerk. He's not a traditional bully, you know, and they give him a little bit more depth. Um, Same with Ned. Same with Betty. Uh, They all have stuff to do. And then you have, you know, you have your other characters. You have your Sam Jackson's, uh, your Colby, uh, Colby Smolders doing their super heroic stuff. And and then they all do a really good job. Um, this movie's also very funny. Like, I, and I know that the first one was pretty funny too. There's some really funny stuff in this movie that I laughed. We didn't, we didn't even mention John Favreau. Mm-hmm. My boy Fav's coming in here, serving as a, as a really good connection between Peter Parker, Tony Stark. They do a lot of work with that relationship, even though Stark, Stark obviously isn't part of the equation anymore. Sure. Um, the action was, I mean, I would say that there's some, I mean, Spider-Man is such a unique character in terms of action. Do you like, did you, did you like the action stuff that they put the sequences, the creative sequences, him fighting these elementals and whatnot, gave him a new challenge every time it felt like, I really liked the action in this movie. I thought it really stepped it up and well, th- was very unique. Well, I think I think Spider-Man, all the heroes, deal with the same challenge when you start getting repetitive, you know, additional movies or sequels. Right. In that you have to evolve them. You look at Tony Stark and Iron Man. Sure. He always had new gadgets on his suit come the next one around or Mm -hmm. there was something new that he could do that he didn't do in the previous one Mm -hmm. uh you look at thor he even evolved as time went on um from what he was doing and it wasn't always just a change in a villain and still beating them the same way that he always beat them sure you look at captain america same thing there was there was always different elements to it and i think that's the same thing with spider-man like if he's just Swinging around on his web, you know, beating people by wrapping them in a, <laughs> a web right. or, you know, using his web shooters as his only way of beating people. It's it's going to get old at some point. Uh-huh. Like you can only take that so far. And so I think they did a good job of kind of keeping with the theme that I think is one of the themes in this movie of of really highlighting like kind of the sci fi element of this, which is like the technology mm-hmm. aspect Um and continuing to kind of take from Iron Man where you get some really cool tech that's obviously not real in <laughs> but at the same time kind of is enjoyable from a storytelling perspective sure. and finding new ways and I think they've done that a lot with Spider-Man because like you said this is his fifth movie you know he's had all sorts of things like his suit was significantly different in Infinity War and Endgame right. with the things that it could do and they take that to another level in this one um, in customizing and, mm-hmm. and changing that and some not, more. And not always raising the level either, but no. something different. Yeah. And that's one of the things that this movie does really well is it allows, it allows Spider-Man to encounter new issues, different issues that require different solutions. Not just like I'm going to punch it really hard or I'm going to web it up or whatever, there are a lot of different things he has to deal with, whether it be elementals, whether it be some of the other stuff. And part of the fun is seeing the ingenuity that he uses if he can't use his webs or if he doesn't have his suit or whatever it may be. Um, And a big part of that, and we'll wrap this up and we'll get into the spoilers because obviously it's way more fun to talk about with spoilers. A big part of that is his rogues gallery. You know, Spider-Man, I would say is second only, if at all, to probably Batman when it comes to rogues galleries, when it comes to bad guys who are different, who are memorable. You know, you just look through the first the first couple of, of uh, versions of this. You get 
couple of versions of the Green Goblin, Doc Ock, Sandman, Venom, Lizard, Electro, Vulture, Shocker. And the thing I like about these, these Far From Homes is that they're able to take these smaller, like insignificant, inconsequential villains. And kind of what they do here with the elementals is they represent and they bear very similar likeness to some of the B-Squad Spider-Man villains like Hydro-Man and Molten-Man and even Sandman, kind of. And um, I like that. I like that they're able to cycle through these guys without like giving a whole movie to having stupid-ass Hydro-Man as the main villain. Um, and it just gives him an opportunity. It gives him an opportunity. gives not only gives Spider-Man an opportunity to use new stuff, but gives the filmmakers opportunity to do new things as well. So I, I thought that that worked really well. So let's let's get to the popcorn rating so that we can get to the spoiler talk here. If you've never listened to an episode of the Popcorn Diet before, we do our ratings a little bit differently. Instead of stars or thumbs up or a number rating or whatever, we give movies a popcorn rating and there are five different ratings starting with burnt popcorn which means the movie is garbage it's a waste of your time don't even bother we have stale popcorn which is this is not a good movie we wouldn't spend money on it maybe if you want to watch it for free or red box it go ahead we have microwave popcorn which is kind of a either or it's fine your mileage may vary there's really good microwave popcorn and there's really bad microwave popcorn but it's somewhere in the middle. It's fine. We have movie theater popcorn, which is, hey, this movie is pretty good. You should go check it out on the big screen. And then we have perfect popcorn, which means you should go out and see this movie as soon as possible. David, you and I have done a lot of Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. It feels odd to give ratings to these Marvel movies because they're just like, if you're in on them, you're in on them. You know, are you gonna? If you're in on the new se- uh, on Game of Thrones, do you really need me to review the new episodes? Probably not. You know, but suffice it to say, this is what we do. We're gonna give it a popcorn rating. As for me, I'm giving it perfect popcorn. I'm I'm gonna say this is one of the one of. The most enjoyable Spider-Man movies. It's funny. It's thrilling. It's emotional. It, it has weight and all of that. The music kicks ass. I love that Marvel has finally kind of righted the ship in terms of consistently having the same music, the same themes. Giacchino comes back. John Watts, the director, absolutely crushes it in terms of not only action sequences, but character development, working with these young actors and things like that. And then not only beyond that, but it is obviously a continuation of the MCU, the true end of Phase 3, and it ties back, really far back, further than even... I think I expected it to go. Um, and I just loved it. I had a great time. I give it perfect popcorn. What about you? For me, I give it perfect popcorn as well. I will say, you know, if, if, if you're out there wanting to know how does it compare to Homecoming, for me, it's ever so slightly behind Homecoming. Okay. But it's really great. And it's, like you said, it, it takes continues this story. It's a good kind of bridge away from Endgame and everything that we had in that. And it also, I think, you know, keeps it fresh. Like you said, it, a good word for it is a palate cleanser. But I also think it sets up some fun storylines at the end of it for where we can go from here. Some you big know? stuff happens. Every, everybody's, everybody's thinking about, you know, we had this Thanos storyline for literally – what 11 years yeah and where do we go from there i mean that was one of the biggest storylines if not the biggest from the marvel comics right like where can we go from there and so i think it it does some fun things to get you excited about what's going to come next so and i and that to me is is one of the biggest challenges that this movie faced was how do we follow up endgame not from a standpoint of Endgame set the bar so high, which it did. Sure. But at the same time, like, how do you get people interested, continue to be interested, knowing Downey's gone, Evan's gone, you know, who we don't even know who else might 
we never see and we again don't even and we don't know the plan standpoint. either exactly it's it's the first time in a long time we don't know what's the next movie i think everybody speculates that it's going to be the black widow movie sure but you don't know whether that's going to be you prequel. Know, that, a prequel who knows it might even be a straight to streaming one like you never sure. know where it goes we know we've got disney plus shows that are going to be coming out but we don't know how that's all going to fit in it's exciting like we don't really know where we go from from here for the first time in 11 years really exactly marvel has always been like this is what's coming up i think they did their press conference in 2015 and you know what this is actually something that we can talk more about in spoilers because it behooves us to talk spoilers here so we're going to pause that conversation and encourage you to continue listening to the spoilers section where we talk more about the MCU and stuff like that. But before we do spoilers, we got to take a brief ad break. All right, good movie buddies. Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that you can get regular episodes of this podcast delivered to you for free just by hitting that subscribe button or following wherever you're listening from, whether it be Apple Podcasts, whether it be Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to podcasts, just hit subscribe and you'll get brand new episodes delivered to you. Share with your friends, share with your family, write a review, give us a rating. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to Patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider becoming a patron of the podcast. You give the podcast a couple of bucks. Not only is that going to help us get better at what we do, but it's going to give you access to early ad free episodes of this podcast, as well as some exclusive patron only episodes like our franchise refills. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the popcorn diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, reviews, Oscar talk, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But David, let's talk about, do you, do you want to, yeah, I'll ask you, we'll throw an audible here. Do you want to talk about the MCU now, or do you want to talk about it at the end? We could do one, we could do one or the other. We just killed the momentum of it because I was about to go on the MCU, but we could, we could save it. Let's, let's wait. Okay, let's wait. So let's talk about one of my favorite parts about this new series of Spider-Man films, and it's they have twists. They really try, and they really, and, and, and it's something I genuinely appreciate. They really try to surprise the audience, and in the first film, that is an all-time twist, where it turns out that the vulture is actually um, the, uh, uh, the girl's dad, where Michael Keaton is, Tom, is Peter Parker's crush's dad phenomenal twist scene very very tense and in this movie with all of the marketing material it has presented that the villain spider-man is facing are the elementals the the water the fire the wind the earth he's fighting these creatures and he's teaming up with a new hero called mysterio to help fend these creatures off David, were you familiar with Mysterio in the comic books? Did you know? Do you know what his deal is? Did a you? little bit. I mean, I knew a little bit going in, but I didn't know a ton. I knew more of like what his powers were in that, not necessarily his backstory. Other than I think he was he was uh, f- I think like a failed like effects guy yeah. from Hollywood. Yeah. So in the comic books, he's a failed special effects guy who creates these special effects to basically be a villain. And in this movie, they they turn him into a hero where they are like, he's from a different Earth, there's alternate realities, and all of the real Spider-Man fans were like, we suspect there's some bullshit happening here because one thing that you gotta know about Mysterio is that nothing is as it seems with him. You can't trust him, right? And... Boy, howdy, that is the case here where it turns out about, I would say, what, midway through the film? Maybe about halfway, a little bit more than halfway through the film. Yeah, about that. Mysterio, I think Hall does an amazing job playing that mentor. And obviously, Peter Parker is searching. He's lost that mentor. He's lost. Not only has he lost Uncle Ben that we haven't seen happen, um, but now he's lost Tony Stark. And so he's looking for a father figure. He's looking for a mentor. He's looking for somebody to look up to and talk to. And Quentin Beck, Mysterio, fills that role 
to the point of where an unassuming kid puts his trust in him. And I love what Gyllenhaal's doing here because I think Gyllenhaal has the ability to play that earnest character. But then there's the moment where him and Peter are at the bar. Peter gives him the glasses. Peter walks out. Everything starts fading away. And then crazy Gyllenhaal comes out a little bit. You get a little bug-eyed Gyllenhaal where he just starts cackling and he's just like, ah, yes, it wasn't so bad or something like that. I don't remember what exactly he said. And I was like, yes, yes, we get some crazy Gyllenhaal in here. We get some weird Gyllenhaal action. I love everything they do with Mysterio, turning him... I don't want to argue, David, but I did lean over because he in this movie, he is a fired former employee of Tony Stark. He's the one that helped Tony Stark develop the barf technology from the beginning of Captain America's Civil War. Sure. And he's accumulated a number of other fired Stark Mm -hmm. Industries employees to help bamboozle everybody. There sure. is no there is no multiverse. There are no elementals. It's all drones and projection effects and stuff like that. And I leaned over and I was like, ah, Tony Stark's creating another villain. I'm glad you side with the crazies. <laughs> but <laughs> yes. Um, but I do I don't side with the crazies at you all. You do, you give them an excuse. <laughs> that being said. I loved the way that they retrofitted Mysterio and did full-blown Mysterio. They didn't half-ass it. They didn't be like, well, well, it's kind of Mysterio. It's a full-blown Mysterio. It's, I got the green suit. I got the big fishbowl helmet. I'm doing all of it. I loved I loved it. The, 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 the illusion sequences reminded me of playing Mysterio levels in Spider-Man video games. Or like Scarecrow levels in Batman video games where suddenly we're dealing with something that seems supernatural. It's illusion. None of it's real. I loved all of that. I thought it was some of the most unique stuff that we've seen done, not only in Spider-Man films, but in the MCU. How'd you like that? How'd you like, did you like the whole twist? Yeah. I mean, obviously, I loved, loved the twist. I mean, you knew going into it, anybody that has any kind of experience with it is right. You knew that he was going to turn bad at some point you were going to get that at some point so from that standpoint i i enjoyed it i think this is where kind of like if i'm getting nitpicky this is where i kind of comparing it to homecoming you got a whole lot more depth and story and motivation behind it in this movie we really just get that bar bar scene where he gives the speech and we get the little bit of mini flashbacks and and comments but that's really it the rest Uh of it is him just being a bad guy so like I kind of miss like more character building of him other than just him being the villain sure. from that standpoint. Um, you think of some of the other, you know, Green Goblin, you know, from the original ones. Right. Like, Doc you, Ock. Get a, you get a lot of really de- good depth. Doc Ock. This one, I felt like because there's so much cool stuff that we're doing with the visual effects and, and the character itself and the villain itself and and bringing that, you know, green green helmet and whole costume and all that kind of stuff to life. I feel like the focus centers a little bit more on that versus like really building up him as this like bad guy. Like, sure. I don't feel like I get to the point where I like hate him so much that I'm like, right. kill him, kill him, kill him. You know, like from that standpoint, which is he's not, I mean, and, and although like in comp- comparative to, to, I think Vulture is the better villain, the better realized villain. Michael Keaton just does really sure. good work as that. Mysterio is such a different villain in that he's really just kind of a dick. Like, yeah, the stuff he's doing is very dangerous. It's 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 he he doesn't care about human life, but he's kind of just a smarmy dick. Yeah, I mean, he, at the end of the day, he wants to be a hero. He wants to be the next Tony Stark. Like, as much as he hated Tony Stark because of how he treated him, right? Like, at the end of the day, he wants to be Tony Stark. Right. Like, that's his aspiration is to be. The next Tony Stark. But doesn't want to put in the work. He's going to fool everybody rather than... Exactly, exactly. Actually doing something. So I think... um, I just wish we got a little bit more of that. Like a little bit more building of that. And that that I think in general kind of goes to... Like if I had nitpicky issues with this as I felt like... 
we've spent so much time with the visuals and everything that was happening, whether it was like, I mean, we went to like eight locations. It felt like in Europe, yeah, like iconic over. locations in Europe and at least four. Yeah. And so like we spent a good amount of time kind of showcasing those as all movies do when they go kind of to these different locations sure. and every single one of them was accompanied by action. So mm-hmm. yes, we had the little things in there with, with Ned and what's his Betty and Betty Flash, and Flash and that like you had little things in there, but like we didn't have like really long sequences of it. Like even even with the Brad thing with he takes the picture right. and then they get on the bus like we're immediately having a drone trying to kill it. Sure. So there's still that drama accompanying it versus like just being able to kind of enjoy the like high school comedy sure. and character building of the situation. And and I get sometimes in a sequel, you're not doing that anymore because we've already developed these characters to right. some point. But I wish we would have had a little bit more time with Jake Gyllenhaal outside of him destroying things sure. like, to get to know him. Because you have to remember, like, the first half of the movie, we're getting him playing someone he's not right. really. He's, he's the good guy. He's the mentor. He's the, I lost my family. I'm, I'm not going to use Lou. He does the noble sacrifice. We really only get one, like, scene of his, like, psychoness when he points the guns at all his employees. Employees. Yeah. And basically threatens them right. when he finds that out. Like that's the only like kind of hint of psycho that we get mm-hmm. versus like kind of building and and escalating him and kind of seeing those things come sure. up. So that's I mean, again, I love this movie and I think it was fantastic. Jake Gyllenhaal is awesome. Uh-huh. But if I'm if I'm going to be nitpicky, like those would be some of the things I'm really. So there's so Mysterio is known for having one of the more ridiculous outfits uh, of of all of the ridiculous outfits that Spider-Man's rogues have, he's the the fishbowl, the big purple cape, all that stuff, and they they do it. They give him the whole deal, the whole nines in terms of the outfit. But you find out that half the time it's a projection. It's it's a it's a it's a, an illusion. It's a, a hologram, and this is what I loved. I think one of my favorite touches was the final battle is he's wearing a gray motion capture suit with like half of a bowl on his head that has a heads up display in front of it and he's controlling it he's doing all this tech stuff and it just was it it was almost a meta commentary on how they're doing superhero movies now too because like Robert Downey Jr hasn't worn a full Iron Man suit since like the first one or the second one you know, he always wears just like a top chest piece and he's wearing a mocap suit. And you look at the behind the scenes of all the guys, Ruffalo's just doing mocap stuff all through Endgame. So the fact that like in the end, Mysterio's like, I'm in a mocap suit is <laughs> such a, a smart touch for what they did here. Um, let's talk about the end credits because the end credits, David, as we mentioned before, not only lead us into wanting to see more Spider-Man, but they do have somewhat larger implications for the MCU as a whole. First end credit scene. Uh, I I liked, number one, the fact that it's Spider-Man and and MJ swinging around uh, Manhattan. It was great to see Tom Holland finally swinging around Manhattan. Like, it was really cool. It was like, oh, now he's really Spider-Man. You know, because you really haven't gotten that in all of the other versions. But then, number one, MJ is like, I don't want to swing with you anymore. This is extremely stressful. And then there's a news broadcast. And it turns out after Mysterio's defeat, and I have questions about that on whether or not we think he's really dead. um, It turns out there's footage that is leaked and it is doctored to look like Spider-Man is the one who set up the drones and Spider-Man is the one who has caused all these illusions and it's reported from an online news website, the dailybugle.net and their guy, J Jonah Jameson played by (laughs) play. I can't, I can't believe it. I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Oh my God. Um, I can't believe this is happening. It's late. 
uh, uh, I'm gonna have to look it up. I'm just, I'm just letting. Are you letting me? Are you letting me? I'm letting. I'm letting you. You have it. You have it. You're letting me drown like this. J.K. Simmons, Jesus, you animal. I'm. That's you had on your. You had it up on your screen. I did. Son of a bitch. They bring back J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson, which to me, number one, they bring him back as like this Alex Jones online propaganda guy. And I'm, I, I got to be honest, I'm here for it. I am 1,000% <laughs> here for that. But number two, there are big implications for bringing J.K. Simmons back as J. Jonah Jameson, as a different J. Jonah Jameson. And number two... Peter Parker's face gets thrown right the hell up on that big screen. And Mysterio goes, Spider-Man's real name is Peter Parker. There's his picture. And he's revealed to the world. Yep. Huge implications there for that. Mm-hmm. What, what do we think happens there after that? I mean, obviously, it's yet to be seen. Um, I mean, they're, they're going to have to explain it in some form, I'm sure. I mean, there's a lot of angles you can take from all of the superhero movies where yeah. you can show them both in the same place. You know, you get someone else in the suit and you have Peter Parker and then it's easy to be like, yeah, how could this be true? You know, so there's ways to explain this away. But obviously, you know, the thought is probably that he's going to have to go into some kind of hiding Um you know, which you would assume would be aided by the, by the, uh, by Fury. Fury, yep. And, and I don't know, what do, what do they call themselves now? Do they call still call them S.H.I.E.L.D.? I don't know. I don't know that we, we the heard Avengers, what they. They definitely use the Avengers. They use as the Avengers because they say like the Avengers aren't going to show up type of thing. But right. we don't really hear what like Fury and, and uh, Hill would call their organization that they're a part right. of. So, but regardless, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously there's a lot of different ways they can go with it. I mean, but you got to imagine it's going to lead to something bigger from a standpoint of, I don't think Spider-Man's going to be the next movie that we get. Like no. there's going to be something more in between, but you got to imagine the next time we get a Spider-Man movie, He's not walking around freely as Peter Parker sure. from that standpoint. Something's got to happen, but it it definitely shakes up the status quo in a in a in both a really subtle way, but also in a monumental way in the in the idea that Peter Parker is one of the only people in the MCU who both had a secret identity and needed a secret identity. Yeah. Well, and the, the other thing that I'll say too, you kind of referenced it a little bit with the J.K. Simmons stuff. There's there's two ways this could go. Okay. One. I'm interested. One, it's just a fun Easter egg of sorts where you bring back J.K. Simmons, reprise role. It's kind of a shout out to sure. the franchise. Because he's bald. He's he's bald. He's got his gray kind of temples, but he's bald on top. Yeah. He's a different J. Jonah Jameson. He's not yeah. editor of the Daily Bugle newspaper. He's Alex Jones on a website. Sure. So there's the possibility that you're bringing him back because, one, he was great in the role. Right. And, two, you may not even use him again. It would just be a fun thing to kind of have him be able to reprise his role. Right. We're now quite a few Spider-Mans in mm -hmm. from that standpoint. Or I think, as you were referencing, it could be opening the door for the multiverse. Like a and genuine multiverse. Like, And some people think, like, does that mean that Marvel's going to basically, in essence, basically do what Spy uh, X-Men did uh -huh. as much as you have your issues with X-Men, but <laughs> with Days of Future Past, what they basically did was adopted the original X-Men movies that we got mm -hmm. into quote-unquote canon. Uh -huh. And so that that's a theory for what they could be doing here. I mean, maybe that's saying we're going to adopt the Sam Rami, but not the Andrew Garfield, or maybe you want to adopt all three. Right. I don't know. Um, and the other movie we haven't talked about is Spider-Verse which is a Sony movie, sure. which posits, and that's the whole reason that makes a multiverse possible here, is because Spider-Verse posited yeah. all of these different universe exists, three of which could be three different live-action Spider-Man films. Um, they could all, I mean, it wouldn't be entirely shocking if you saw Tobey Maguire's version show up in a Spider-Verse film as a brief cameo. Like, that'd be some wild shit. Well, and I mean, from that standpoint, too, we 
while we get that whole line where Jake Gyllenhaal or Mysterio brings up that he's from another right multiverse, basically, and mm-hmm. then you have Spider-Man and Peter Parker go off on this whole like, tangent yeah. about what that means. Right. Again, it could be just a fun Easter egg because I don't know if you realize this movie is like chock full of Easter there's eggs. There's so like, many. If you go online and read, like there's so many things in there, even little things to like the suitcase that Peter packs uh-huh. has the initials BFP on it, which stand for Benjamin Franklin Parker, uh-huh. which we haven't seen Uncle Ben in this version of Spider-Man. Right. They decided but, to skip the origin story. But we know those are his initials. The connotations. And so... It only makes sense that, you know, that was his uncle's Mm -hmm. bag from that standpoint. But there's other things like one of the documentaries on the plane was like Finding Wakanda, Uh which references back to obviously Black Panther. Another was Heart of Iron, the Tony Stark story. Yeah. And there's just so many things, um, you know, even things like there's a car on the bridge in the last scene. Yeah. um, That I believe the license plate on it is like. It's T A S M one four three. The Amazing Spider Man one forty three. Okay. Which is the comic book that's about Spider Man taking a trip to Europe. So like <laughs> even little things like that, which again like don't have any significance outside of this, but there's so many little things that sure. are just in there that kind of reference two things. Like you know we get the glasses back, which turns into the whole Edith thing, but mm-hmm. they were the glasses that Tony was wearing in Infinity War. Yep. That he has in those, and I think he has them in Endgame as well. So, like, you just get all these little nuggets in there, and and so it's it's hard to it's hard to decide like what is just like fun Easter eggs that they put in there, and what actually has significance moving forward. Right, because it's established that everything in Mysterio's story is bullshit. The multiverse that he's talking about is all just a ruse. Like, yeah, he he doesn't actually come from a multiverse. But then J. Jonah Jameson, played by the same guy, that leaves some questions, right? Hell, even I, and I was talking about this with our good friend Dallas, good friend of the podcast, Dallas Nichols, um, Sam Jackson in this movie plays Nick Fury but he's playing it a little broader he seems mm-hmm. like a little off like sure. like he's very aggressive and very mean to Peter Parker and at the end of the film the last credit sequence uh the the final singer of the film it shows that uh Nick Fury and Maria Hill are actually being have been replaced by Talos and his wife who are the scroll from Captain Marvel while Nick Fury is having a little rest and relaxation on the scroll ship out in space. And that makes his performance so interesting to me because he's played Nick Fury since 2008. Sure. And yet he's doing Nick Fury, but filtered through an alien who knows Nick Fury, who's just like, I'm gonna, I can play Nick Fury. Nick Fury's kind of an asshole and he's angry all the time and he swears. And it's and it's like, yeah, like it fits it, it. When you go back and you watch this performance of Nick Fury again, you'll note at least I noticed I'm like, it's not. Well, I think the other thing you have to remember, too, with Talos playing Nick Fury is that like some of the things like when they talk about like ghosting and how much the world has changed. Mm-hmm. Like, remember, like Talos was on Earth in the 90s in the 90s. And we don't know how long he's been here. And so from that standpoint, but then last we saw him, he was up in space. Right. In the 90s. In the 90s. And so if his last time on Earth until recently, as he came back as Nick Fury and Mm -hmm. and his wife came back as Maria Hill, like if that was them coming back, if you think about someone who was in there in the 90s, misses those next two decades, we'll say, and came back, like a lot of those things would be kind of that. I don't understand what's going on sure. type of thing, which he plays off a lot throughout the film, which is something that, again, I think if you go back and rewatch it, you'll you'll feel like something is off with them. And even when you find out that it's them, something's off with them. You know, for me, not reading spoilers in that throughout the film, I was like. They've definitely like made Sam like either they're evolving his character to be to be more like quirky, uh-huh. which they kind of did in Captain Marvel. Sure, but he, he was, was young. But he was young. 
so like either like with the whole Thanos stuff and Tony and all of them being gone and, sure. and they're not really being a true shield from what we knew. Like maybe they are just a little bit more, you Quirky, know, a little bit grumpy, looser. you know, like, yeah. but a little bit not as buttoned up. Like Maria Hill is definitely like, like grumpy throughout yeah. it, you yeah. know, from that standpoint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's not that like she was like cracking jokes in the other ones, but she was always like seemed really professional, like sure. non-emotional from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this one, she always seems like she's pissed at Peter Parker for Just whatever angry reason. So all the time. It's 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 definitely fun to to see in hindsight. It's definitely like you said, both of the Spider-Man movies we've gotten thus far have had some really fun twists to them. It also excuses the fact that they got played by Mysterio. Mm-hmm. You know, because Mysterio comes in, Talos, he's playing Nick Fury for a little bit, and then shit goes down. Talos doesn't is doesn't know any better. The know? interesting part, though, and I don't know if it's a nitpick, if it's a mistake, uh-huh. or whether you know you could you could take the leap of faith and say like they have that background, but like when Happy gives the like code basically sure. to like give them away that like. Mm-hmm. What's going on the basically surf, to warm the surfboard, surfboard line? Yeah. yeah, like if you're thinking of it in the concept of Talos, like why would Talos know that? So, like, right. either Talos has been Nick Fury for a really long time, and uh-huh. so like he knows some of that stuff, or like we kind of are just meant to accept that. Well, remember, he would have been able to pick up on that. Remember who Talos first arrived on the earth as surfboarders sure so i don't know if that is tied in anywhere sure but why would happy know that from right. that standpoint like, well and you could also just say happy, that like, happy doesn't know that that's talos no you could say that like fury filled them in and that's that's again where you kind of get back to the fact that like it's hard when you have this many easter eggs and mm-hmm. callbacks to different things to know what is an easter egg what is has significance you right. know all that kind of stuff like, sure is the surfboard thing Meant to be just a fun callback to Captain it, Marvel, or is it meant to actually it, like have significance for like? Does it reference this one issue of Spider Man where Spider Man joined a surfing competition or some? Yeah, exactly. Bullshit like that. I have a question for you before we wrap it up. I have two questions for you. Number one, do you think Mysterio is actually dead? The film ends with him seemingly being shot. And then, late, like, by his own drones, like, his drone spins around. He turns off, safe fire, drone spins around, seemingly shoots him. And he falls to the ground and gives this monologue to Spider-Man. And then it, it's, proved, it's shown that that is an illusion. Mysterio tries to shoot Spider-Man in the head, but he uses his spider sense, also referred to as his Peter Tingle, mm-hmm. to grab the gun. At which point, Mysterio is still shot and... By his drone, it still had happened, yep. and then falls and seemingly dies, right? And Peter puts on his glasses, and he goes, is this real? And the glasses don't say yes. They say all illusions are off or something mm-hmm. to that effect. Mm-hmm. Then in the footage, like there is clearly footage where he's wearing his suit, and like re- remember one of his crew is like steaming his suit? Yeah, but here's here's the thing though. This is the, here to answer your question. I no, I don't think he's alive. Um, you think he's dead? I think he's dead. Okay. Because, I think he's alive. Because here's what we also saw towards the end. There, you see the other main, yeah, his former like, Tony, one of Tony his Stark. Yeah, Will, I think it's William or or that uh-huh. played by the kid from Christmas Story, Peter Billingsley. But anyways, he. He is seen basically packing up his laptop, uh-huh. getting the flash drive uh-huh. that has all the stuff that they worked on right. and taking it going. Right. Technically, Jake Gyllenhaal was not Mysterio. No, the crew was. The crew was. They created Mysterio. Right. He was the actor. He was the he was whatever his character Beck's I think is Beck is his yeah, last name. Yeah, Quentin Beck. Quentin Beck. He is Quentin Beck mm-hmm. and he gave on he played the character that is Quentin Beck, who is also Mysterio. Sure. But Mysterio in all of those action sequences is not Jake Gyllenhaal. So what I'm getting at is you can put anybody in a mocap suit with the helmet on 
and you could bring Mysterio back. Sure. So I'm not saying Mysterio's dead. I'm saying Quentin Beck is dead. So Interesting. from that standpoint, I could easily see the bald dude that got away with the flash drive as well as none of his other henchmen were found. Right. They all just packed up. They all just packed up mm -hmm. and left. So you still have this conglomerate of people that were anti-Stark that wanted their shot, that kind of thing. So like I could easily see Mysterio being brought back if uh -huh. they wanted to, as well as that's where I think you get that video. Like I don't think like Peter Parker left, Spider-Man left, and then all of a sudden Jake Gyllenhaal rolled over and, you know, videotaped. Because sure. we were there when he was standing there telling the drones to stop. Sure. And Gyllenhaal was not leaning over and doing that. So to me, that's all recreated using the tools that they already had sure. to be able to do that. Absolutely valid. So they fabricated the video to show what they wanted to show because they've already demonstrated that that's possible. That's and so possible. to me, that's not showing that he's alive. That's showing that they have the ability to give the appearance that he's still alive. Sure, sure. That's my thought. At that's least. my favorite part about Mysterio's. It could go either way. Everything you said is valid, right? And yet, Mysterio, again, like I said at the beginning, you just can't trust whatever you see with Mysterio, no and, matter what. And I, I guess I would probably, if I want, if I knew more of like all the different comic book stories of Mysterio, and if I did research into that, sure, and knew whether like Mysterio could potentially be something that gets carried on he like can I, be. I there are i know, other I, know he I know he definitely can but i mean from the standpoint of like does he have a bigger storyline than what we just got in this film like could it be something that continues on for movies to come and crosses over into other it could be. heroes which it definitely could because i know even you know when he actually dies in the comics uh -huh. it's with uh daredevil right Daredevil's with him when that and that opens up a whole nother story about, you know, are we going to start getting new characters because we don't really know what the next is. I mean, right. you can assume that it's going to be people like uh, Captain America played by Anthony Mackie, Anthony Mackie, sure. more Doctor Strange, more Black Panther. You can assume that. But and right. I, I think it's safe to say we're going to get more Black Panther because of what a huge success it was. Sure. We've been told that we're going to get a prequel of Black Widow. We're but definitely this, getting another Spider-Man. We're definitely getting another Spider-Man. We're supposedly getting another Ant-Man is what we're told. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we kind of have an idea. But like at the same time, like you got to imagine Paul Rudd's run is going to come to an end soon. Sure. You got to imagine, you know, potentially, I mean, we're not guaranteed to get Thor, even though Chris Hemsworth sure. has said that he'd be Wants glad to, to be continue playing them. Yeah. Um, we're, I think we're pretty much guaranteed to get another Guardians. I mean, right. obviously there's already been, we already know the t story behind That's Guardians That's the 3. excitement of it is we don't know. We have known since 2015, I think it was 2015, it's either 2014 or 2015 when Kevin Feige did his whole presentation about the next five years of Marvel going all the way through 2019. We're going to go all the way through Infinity War, right? Now we've reached that point and they haven't done a presentation yet. They probably will at either San Diego Comic-Con or D23. I'm willing to bet that they're going to use Comic-Con as their victory lap and they're going to use D23 as their launch point for the next phase. I will tell you one last thing before we end here though, David, and that is that Mysterio in this movie, he's he doesn't really care about Spider-Man, right? He's more focused on becoming the next Tony Stark and everything like that, but now Spider-Man has wronged him, right? So I'm positing that he stays alive because we have other characters that exist out in this world. We have a shocker that's still alive. We have a vulture that's still alive. We have the character that becomes Scorpion. And then we have a bunch of, you know, characters that we haven't seen the MCU versions of. Lizard, Electro, Doc Ock, Green Goblin, all these guys. Now, one of the biggest rumors was that one of the post credit sequences was going to be Norman Osborn and, like, the Sinister Six. Now, I never believed that because the one source that everybody was using had, like, bullshit dialogue. And I was just like, this is not – this doesn't even sound right. This is bad dialogue. Sure. No one – this is not real. And obviously, that isn't what happened here. But – 
when you get all of these characters who are being kept alive, or in the case of Mysterio, given a question mark, who have then been wronged by Peter Parker, you can't help but hope for a Sinister Six. But that's where I feel like it's more plausible that you get, again, I think his name is William, and that sure. as like he's pissed off because you killed his friend, Maybe. his partner, that kind of thing, and it would make it easier. Because if you have a Jake Gyllenhaal... Someone of that quality needs to be the focus of if he's teaming up in the Sinister Six. Sure. Whereas if you have someone like the the actor that portrayed Peter Billingsley, yeah, Peter Billingsley, basically. Um, That's this is why I don't think that he'll he'll be continued if if on. if it's him, then it would make sense for him to be more of like part of a Sinister Six, and you can let someone else in that Sinister Six like. A Green Goblin. Right. Well, it's like Vulture. Take you know? take the lead in that. And if you're going to bring back Vulture for the Sinister Six, like, it's too many big names. I mean, I guess you could say Avengers made it work on right. the opposite end. But to me, like, it makes more a little bit more sense from that standpoint. Yeah, well, you never know. We'll see what can happen. Basically, the Sinister Six is is the, the, the end goal of a lot of people for Spider-Man. I know I'm very excited. I, you know me, David. I like spoilers. And the fact that... I don't know what's coming up for the MCU is a little maddening to me. But I'm very excited about this. This is a great way to cap off the MCU Phase 3. It's such a fun movie. Um, go. I mean, it's, it's Marvel. If you're in, you're in. Go see it. You don't need our prompting to do it. Uh, as we wrap up, I want to remind everybody one last time that you can get regular episodes of The Popcorn Diet delivered to you for absolutely free just by hitting the subscribe button or following us wherever you're listening from. We really appreciate you taking just a few seconds. Give us a rating, give us a review, share the Popcorn Diet with your good movie buddies. We also want to remind you to check us out by going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet and consider becoming a patron of the podcast. Not only is it going to help us, but it gives you free, or not free, but it gives you patron-only access to uh, early episodes, ad-free episodes, and specific patron-only episodes like our franchise refills. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can follow us on facebook on twitter on instagram at the popcorn diet and last but certainly not least you can find all of our latest regular episodes articles reviews oscar talk and next week we'll be doing our mid-year review of 2019 all on our website popcorndietpodcast.com but for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, wishing you a happy Independence Day, a happy 2019 Independence Day, uh, a happy and congratulations to all of us for getting through the Infinity Saga of the MCU, and we'll see you next time with another good movie on the Popcorn Diet. Adios.